Amen. We are continuing our traveling through the Gospel of John, and before we get to today's story, I want to let you know that next Sunday we will get to have Frances Taylor Ginch with us. She is the author of the book that we have been reading in Sunday School that goes along with every text we've done in worship. So we're very fortunate to have her with us. She's a professor at Union Seminary in Richmond. And she will tackle Lazarus coming back to life. <laughs> I also want to invite you to Sunday school next week, even if you don't usually come. She'll be facilitating it. So it's a great time to just hear from a New Testament scholar and learn a bit more about the Gospel of John. But today we're in chapter 9. And this story takes all of chapter 9. So I am going to retell it rather than read it. Jesus is walking along and he sees a man who is blind. And his disciples ask, who sinned to make this man blind? Did he sin or did his parents? Jesus immediately rejects the premise of the question. Disability is not the result of sin, he says, but this man's difficulty can provide the opportunity for a sign of how God heals. Then Jesus spits on the ground, mixes it up with some dirt, and puts it on this guy's face. It does not say if he gave the guy a heads up before he did that. Then he sends him off to wash. And when the guy comes back, lo and behold, he can see. His neighbors see him a little bit later on, and they don't recognize him. To them, he had always been the blind guy begging by the side of the road. They had never really seen him. So they're debating, is it really him or not? And he says, no, 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 it's, it's me. It's me. And they say, what happened? And he tells them, a guy smeared dirt and spit on my eyes, and I washed it off. And now I can see. Where is this guy? They wanted to know. Beats me, he says. So they take him to the local authorities, the religious authorities, to get this all sorted out. And it happened to be that it occurred on a Sabbath. And they ask him, what happened? And he tells them the same story. A guy came, and he spit in the dirt, and he mixed it up, and he wiped it on my eyes, and I washed it off, and I could see. And they said, surely a holy person wouldn't do this on the Sabbath. But on the other hand, how could a sinner 
do a work like this? And they argued about it back and forth. Then they finally turn to him and say, well, what do you think? He says, the guy's the real deal. He's a prophet. But they still don't buy it, so they call his parents, and they say, has this guy really been blind since birth? And his parents say, he's an adult. He can speak for himself. So they ask him again, was this man who spat in the dirt and mixed it up and rubbed it on your eyes a sinner? And getting frustrated, the man says, look, I have no idea if he's a sinner or not. Here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. It's all I know. It's enough for me. They argue for eight more verses about this. And then they kick him out of town because they just can't wrap their minds around this thing that happened outside of their categories. And hearing that he's been kicked out, Jesus comes back to town and gathers the guy up and welcomes him into his community of misfits and odd folks. And before he leaves, Jesus turns to the religious folks and says, blind folks haven't done anything wrong. But folks who think they can see, who think they understand it all, they're the blind ones. The end. This is by far the longest healing story in the Bible. Usually, someone has an ailment, Jesus sees it, Jesus fixes it, and that's it. But here, Jesus sees it, Jesus fixes it, and people argue for 41 verses about what just happened. And at the end of it, no one is certain about anything except the guy who is healed. And all he knows is, I was blind, and a man spat in the dirt, rubbed it on my eyes. When I washed it off, I could see. When John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, he left out the dirt and the spit part. There's uncertainty throughout this story. It is not simple, one and done. And I don't like uncertainty. I'd wager most of us don't. We want the test results to be conclusive when the mass is biopsied. We want to know why that friend stopped speaking to us. We want to know why we didn't get that job that we were the perfect fit for. Life doesn't work that way. All too often the test results aren't clear. We get vague platitudes, or sometimes just 
radio silence, leaving us with more questions than answers. It would be nice if our faith could ease some of the uncertainty of life. And some peddlers of religion promise that it will. If you study the Bible enough and pray enough and are Christian enough, then the answers will be clear, right? Just like the man in our story, he was blind and now he can see. And if you do it right, that will happen for you. Except, doesn't always seem to work that way, does it? Even just the experience of coming to something we might call trust, which is what faith really is, isn't always an experience of certainty. I don't personally have a neat, tidy testimony of certainty to offer. When was I saved? When did I begin to see? Well, it happened one morning in a room with stained glass as we sang Amazing Grace. But it also happened one perfect summer afternoon the top of a mountain in North Carolina. Then again, it happened while I was chopping veggies for soup on a mission trip for folks who were hungry. It happened every time my family joined hands and sang the doxology over a meal, and I was always off key. And it happened in deep nights of doubt and days of fear and eons of questions. When did I begin to see if I can see anything at all? All these times and more. And I still don't see a lot of the time. Maybe you know what that's like. Or maybe you have had a crystal clear moment of clarity that has been life changing. Like the man in this story. But then also like the man in this story You've discovered along the way since that even going from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight doesn't fix all the uncertainty. What do we mean when we say God is faithful or Jesus saved me? Or I was lost, but now I'm found. 
sometimes for me, that inability to really explain it, put words around it that make sense, makes me doubt the whole enterprise. If I can't explain it, then I wonder, have I made it all up? Is my faith good enough? Is it legitimate if it doesn't explain all the pain and uncertainty and contingency of life? If being a follower of Jesus is confusing, not quite the firm foundation I thought I'd been promised, and is it real? And that's what I love about this story. Everyone involved is confused by this healing. And all this guy can say is, I don't know, a man I don't know, spit on the ground, mixed it with dirt, put it on my face without so much as a by your leave, and then I could see. I don't know who he was. I don't know if he's God Almighty or a sinner. I don't know how it worked or why there had to be spit involved. I just know he put a paste of earth and body on my eyes. And now I can see. This is not a well-crafted creed. This is not a fancy profession of faith. This is not a tidy testimony. All he has is his odd experience and a measure of trust. Something happened, and he doesn't dismiss it as a fluke. He doesn't deny the questions that it raises that other folks bring to him. He doesn't pretend he has all the answers. He admits there's a lot he doesn't know, but he holds on to his experience. Something happened. That little kernel of trust in the midst of all the uncertainty, that is faith. And we have the same opportunity he had. I firmly believe we all have flashes of insight, moments where it's like the veil is lifted and everything is suddenly clear. Instants where we know all the way to the marrow of our bones that we are loved by a love that not even death can overcome. We have these moments of crystal clear clarity, even if we can't explain them where we feel like we can suddenly 
see. And we have the choice to trust them. The muck and the confusion of life closes back in, and we, like this guy, have a choice. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. But for a minute, I saw a pinprick of light out there. That choice is the real stuff of faith. It's not intellectual assent to creeds or a list of things we must believe. It's trust, an attitude of the heart. Nothing more, nothing less, and it's a gift. Sometimes a messy, unprompted, out of the blue, not sure I want this gift of spit and dirt, but it is a gift, always. This man didn't ask to be healed. It's not clear if he consented to getting rubbed with spit and dirt. It just happened out of nowhere. And then he saw things in a new way, in a new light. And he chose to trust it. In the face of all the questions, he chose to trust the beauty that he saw more than all the uncertainties. He trusted the beauty he saw. So if you aren't sure if you're doing this faith thing correctly, if you're not sure if you're saved or not, or even what that means, if you're not sure you know how to pray, or if you want to obey, or how to believe, if you're not sure where Christ is calling you next, if you're not sure how it will all end, if you, like everyone else, are stumbling around with mud on your face, trust this. Christ comes to us while we don't have it all figured out. While we're still wandering around, lost, Christ comes in a million different disguises, sometimes in a blinding flash of light, sometimes as slow as a sunrise, sometimes in earth and bodies. Our task is not to make it happen. Our task is not to understand to wash the mud off our faces, open our eyes, and trust what we see. Amen.